Still got the party horn. Uh, hello and welcome to another of uh, Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am joined by uh, the SNP MP for, oh no, I've started it without remembering what I see, it's Glasgow South, South. just straight Glasgow South, Glasgow uh, South. Stuart MacDonald, uh, sometimes known as Specky Stuart on this podcast, mm. sometimes known as Stuart Malcolm MacDonald. Which one's, which one's better? Uh, I prefer just Stuart, actually. But there's two of you, that's the trouble. Uh, so it's that's ca- true. You need that's to be, have some way of... Uh, but in the determining. chamber, I'm Stuart Malcolm McDonald. Yeah. Is Malcolm okay? I think I'd rather be Specky Stuart than Malcolm. I, I don't want to come across as a Malcolmist. Me, but, you know. the, I'll ask my dad's name. He's Malcolm Stuart well, I McDonald. definitely don't want to come across. Is he? <laughs> oh, yes, man. as is my granddad. Um, okay, um, well, I'm not going to comment. You know, I'm James, and my dad is James. Well done, everybody. There you go. A bit of imagination. Um... You are fresh back from SNP conference. Yes. We were going to talk about this last week, but one of your colleagues bailed on me at the last minute, oh, so we're yeah. going to have to do it retrospectively. Okay. Um, was it fun? It was. It was, again, good to have it back in Glasgow, which is always uh, fun, although you kind of lose on that feeling of being away for the weekend if it's in you know, Inverness yeah. or somewhere, but you save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it was good. It was great. Um, I thought the First Minister's speech was excellent. That which one? The... the the set piece on yeah. Saturday, I think it was yeah. the main the main speech, and the theme of the conference was uh, showing just what an open and inclusive party we are, what an open and inclusive country where Scotland is. A massive uh, contrast with what came out of Birmingham and the Tory conference. Was that the theme of the conference, or was the theme of the conference Indie Ref Two? Um, that was obviously there, as you would expect. Mm. Um, but, you know, what the First Minister announced was actually a re-announcement in that yes. respect. Um, it's a consultation on a bill which was in the programme for government. Yeah. So um, why do it? She was throwing I red th- meat to her she was, she, well, she was the, announcing the conventional it's, wisdom. She was announcing its imminent publication, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, that information wasn't known previously, I guess. Um, but... People got very excited by it, yes, and the is. public will engage in huge numbers. I'm quite sure. Will they engage? Well, I mean, you know, last time she announced a, a summer initiative, but that didn't happen, did it? Or did I miss it? Um, well, the the summer initiative started with the it was kind of the national survey essentially. Oh, well, that's sure was the survey, yeah. Um, which you can fill in online or uh, on a physical piece of paper. Yes. Um, and that's really trying to take account of what people, how people see the situation now, yeah. Scotland, Brexit, all the rest of it. Also importantly, on do people think the vow has been delivered? Do people think the new powers coming to us uh, meets the expectations of what informed people's vote in September 2014? And the you can vow, put your head the in your vow hands. again. Oh. You can put your head in your hands, but I think people have a right to comment on these things. Um, and help inform us as a party and as a government in terms of where we go with independence. I put my head in my hands because the whole argument over the vow is so like where we are with the EU referendum, isn't it? Is it what did people actually vote for? Well, people I voted, th- didn't vote sure, for independence. Sure. They didn't vote for but the cr- vow because it wasn't on the ballot box. Here's a, here's a crucial thing, though. I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was in the high 60s or low 70s, I'm sure, uh, percent of people don't believe that what was promised before the independence referendum has been delivered. Now, I'm not sure if there's anything in terms of the EU referendum which asks Mm. a similar question, but if people don't think that what they were promised, something that helped inform their vote, not necessarily the defining issue for them, um, if people don't think that's been delivered, then that's a problem. True, but aren't you always going to get that sort of answer? Because because people don't didn't know what, we don't know what people were voting for. 
This is why referendums are rubbish. This is the main theme coming out of this podcast in the last few weeks. It's like the EU referendum. We don't know. People just voted. Brexit does mean Brexit. That's all it means. Because that's all that was on the ballot paper. I think this is... is, Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots to learn from uh, from both both examples, actually. Um, I think the main lesson that's come from the EU referendum is that the winning side, the Brexit side, hadn't thought about how to own their victory. And the Brexit side have been left to look as though they're scrambling around trying to package together exactly what leaving the EU means for us in quite an unsightly fashion. Uh, yes, that's fair to say. Indeed, uh, your party's got a debate this afternoon about EU nationals, which we do, is yes. going to be fairly unsightly, I should imagine. From uh, I would hope there's more consensus uh, in the chamber uh, on an issue like that. This is about guaranteeing people's right to live here who have a life here. Um, I think hmm. there's more consensus on that than perhaps you know single market access, sure. membership or whatever. I still think you'll get some unsightly contributions. No doubt, this is the House of Commons. <laughs> from... From one side, I suspect. Yeah. Um, the uh, conference, back to SNP conference, sure. of course, was kicked off by the big event on the first day was uh, my blog in the uh, New Statesman and the staggers about yes. what happens to the SNP, yes. about being who's on the right and who's on the left. Yep. Are you on the right or the left of the SNP? I'm in the centre of the SNP, oh, uh, okay. slightly to the left of centre. Um, of the SNP yeah, or of politics? So within the SNP, so right. not of the SNP. But what, what, and in politics generally, probably. Um, but, you know, the SNP is a coalition of people who are broadly of the centre and centre-left um, and some people from the left. Uh, and we are united around lots of issues. Yes. The central one obviously being independence. And the other one being uh, reading my blog and mocking it or discussing it or being offended by it. Such, it seems it's been a quite such, a unifying force. I'm very such impressed. Is the, such is the nature of a free press. I'm very impressed. It's been so widely read. And the other thing was the deputy leadership, uh, which saw yes. Angus Robertson romp to victory. Yes, 53%, I think it was. I was going to say, I don't think Angus Robertson would romp anywhere, but I don't really want to go down that route. Uh, it doesn't strike me as a, a romping sort of man. Well, 53% is very good. It's decisive. It is. Um, and... Not for the first time, the SNP have proven everybody wrong. Yes. Because, again, people like me wrote blogs saying, well, you got all these new members. And not, you know, I was hearing this from people in your party saying, well, it might not be that easy for Angus because there is these new members and we don't know how they're going to vote. Um, most of them didn't vote, it turns out. Well, I would, uh, you know, anybody who was of that persuasion, because I had a feeling this was going to happen. And the, f- the first example I knew of this was when a friend of mine was trying to get selected for the Westminster election as a candidate in Edinburgh. He spent all his time canvassing the new members, sometimes Mm. at the expense of members before the 2014 referendum. But of course, it was all the ones who'd been a member since before the independence referendum who ended up voting. So he lost that selection. That was Deirdre Brock's constituency. Uh, So I would, um, anybody who did think that the new members are this dynamic um, that are going to, you know, cause an upset, I'd encourage them to get around their members a wee bit more and talk to them. but it doesn't seem unreasonable to think that the new members are going to be the fired-up ones, but somehow they're not. It does seem slightly counterintuitive. But I'm not entirely sure where it comes from, to be honest. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's one of these it's one of these myths that have kind of almost become. You know, people think it's it's it kind of becomes the truth because lots of people think it see it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to how the new it's, membership plays out. It's an internet age thing. Is that what it is? Possibly. I mean, in the sense that in the old days, I'm so old, um, when you joined a party, that was kind of a big deal. You had to make a bit of effort. Whereas yeah. now you can go on the SNP website, click, here's your whatever it costs to join. Yep. And that's that. 
Yep. You don't actually have to do anything. You don't have to go along to a meeting. You don't have to. No, you don't have to do, do anything. anything. Uh, having said that, you know, I think joining a political party should be a, a, a commitment in some sense to yeah. the party's values and mm. its political direction and what have you. But uh, I think perhaps just. But what I actually thought you were getting at was slightly different when you said an internet thing. I think perhaps because lots of the new members are very visible online, on Twitter, yes, where, of yes. course, you lot hang out yes. non-stop. That's yeah. perhaps what's influencing people's yeah. um, people's view of the new membership. But by and large, there's a lot of members who are happy just to pay their cash every year, have the party card in their wallet, and that's their contribution. And they are to be thanked for it. Yeah, uh, I suppose the, the, the point that's been raised this morning is are they going to turn out and campaign in the local elections in May when you know local activism tends to count? But since the SNP win everything these days, you know you <laughs> well, can all we'll, basically we'll just stay out, at home and you'll we'll win anyway, out, right? We'll be out um, in Glasgow, certainly, and I know lots of people are uh, mm-hmm. enthused in Glasgow to make sure we do our best to win. You know, independence would have felt unfulfilled uh, had it not also... Uh, been joined with the SNP winning Glasgow City Council uh, and I know that lots of people in Glasgow SNP members and non-SNP members feel very strongly uh, about unseating Labour um, in the city chambers really? Yes. I mean come yes. on you're well, going to win why, why would you bother why waste your strong feelings on that because everyone well, because knows you're going to win remember it's a different type of election it's using STV oh, well, which is very true. unpredictable uh, indeed you know the last time, 2012, I was supposed to be a shoe-in and I could beat the only Liberal Democrat candidate uh, who held on to their seat in Glasgow. So it can be a wee bit unpredictable. Uh, the party members know that and they know that if we're going to get it right and we're going to win, they're going to have to chap doors for it. Yeah, I didn't know there was a Lib Dem in Glasgow. One left. All of them lost their seats except well, one, who admittedly was a former head teacher of a primary school for about 35 years, so everybody knew her. Oh, uh, a so, lady so I, Lib Dem. I, I That's quite rare. Yeah. I don't mind losing to somebody who's got a good reputation for hard work. And a Lib Dem, because they're nice. Well, aren't they? Oh, they're, not she is. they're quite wicked when they do she their is. campaigning. She's very them, aren't nice. They, actually? She's very nice. Are, um, most of them are quite cuddly, but some of them can be quite, yes. quite vicious campaigners, aren't they? Um, uh, Lib Dems keep coming up in this podcast I tell you, the, that's, that's the evidence that they're the coming force that I keep talking about Lib Dems um, Right, let's move on to today We've just had PMQs which means it's time for this jingle Still got it It's PMQs in review Double party horn. I think I maybe need to do a new new PMQs podcast yes. uh, jingle. jingle. Double, double party horn's a bit too much. Um, PMQs today went on for ages, mainly because Jeremy Corbyn went on and on and on. And for some reason, the speaker doesn't tell him to shut up and get a move on. Um, he is uh, a bit of a windbag, isn't he? I think he just needs to learn how to perform in the chamber uh, he doesn't he, he doesn't have that ability to be kind of forensic but quick at the same time yeah um, and he just loses the house as a result of it and he needs to mix it up if he mixed it up with a long question then a short question then you get your opponent off balance yeah. I mean that's kind of but I'm also I'm not sure he, stuff. I, I think he obviously he clearly puts a lot of thought into um, what it is he wants to talk about yes but I don't think he puts a lot of thought into how he responds to answers. Yeah. So he's not mapping out well, you know, if the Prime Minister says this, yeah. 
this is my line if it's this this is, I, I'm not or, or if they are doing that he's obviously discarding it all entirely yeah I when mean, he goes into the chamber the thing that struck me is that Theresa May I've seen her a few times now she's not that good I would say I think she looks I, I think a couple of times she's a wee bit better today but a couple yeah. of times she's looked as though she's just not enjoying it yeah I mean she's not bad what I've thought. no she's not she's not bad um, as a as a performer in the chamber but uh Cameron was certainly more polished and quick. Um, you sort of feel like a sub-edited Corbin, a Corbin with a bit of bite, could actually land some blows. Could do. She's not, you know, she's there for the taking. Could do, of, but I know, think the problem is he's just not that kind of parliamentary. That's not his style. And I think if you, if yeah. you, you know, you can can that, and it'll, yeah. it'll sound false. But I think mm. he's he's probably just not up for it. Uh, well, I think you might might be right. Uh, it also went on because we have increasingly. Uh, Speaker Burko's special corner at the end of the event where anybody who's got something they want to raise he gives them to talk about a charity or something which is kind of fine but it's gone on that long oh I must not, get myself not really into that holding, corner then I, I don't want to be picked. I don't want to be you know mean because some of the issues are very important there's a lot about I'm a fan today which was you know mm. tragic and all the rest of it but it is kind of Speaker Burko's mawkish corner where anybody who's got a charity or a crime that they want to raise gets to, to raise it it's not really holding the Prime Minister to account um, and the other good one today was Nigel Adams trying to get tickets for Green Day but he couldn't because Ticket Touts took all the tickets uh, once again proving that MPs are hopelessly out of touch because they like Green Day I used to like, love them when I was younger yeah not really? now I wouldn't listen to them now name me, I think I've name still me got three Green Day hits uh, well, there's the whole album American Idiot was my favourite one. That's no, one that's the, not a hit, is it? That's, that's one of the songs. An album. That's oh, all right. One of the okay. songs. So just you calm yourself, oh, all right. Miller. Um, there's so there's American Idiot. There's, yeah. Ah, um, uh, come on. No one. There was I'm one lost. Hit. Time of life. <laughs> time of life. Time that was a big hit. Uh, I only remember what's that. What's the one about um, something dream? Um, Don't know. Boulevard of Bo- Broken Dreams. Never heard of it. Uh, I, I take you word. You can make up anything, really. There, no, I would have believed you. That's definitely one of them. Uh, there you go. MPs out of touch. Here's look, this is going to be super smooth coming up right here. MPs are out of touch. But you're not out of touch. No. Because you go on special surgeries around the stations in your constituency. I do. I'm intrigued by this. Right. First Shall of I tell all, you why I've decided to do it? Yeah. Go on. So my constituency has got, um, I think it's 15 train stations in total. Yeah. Because the Cathcart Circle runs through it, as well as a couple of other uh, lines as well, uh, all around the south side. So I thought to myself, if you think of those people who are going to their work in the morning, yes. um, and they're working, you know, the kind of classic between eight and six, they don't really get a chance to go and see their MP about things, because yeah. the surgery for that kind of people would be a Saturday morning, but they really want to get up early on a Saturday morning, generally not. So I thought train stations are great places where you got lots of people passing through. Mm. So I would just go, I'd have my wee postcards, which would have all my details, contact information, right. what have you. And I would just hand them out to people as they were going to catch their train. And some uh-huh. people would stop and chat to you. Yeah. That happened quite a lot. That was quite good. Um, others would just be happy to take the cards. Some people thought I was punting the alpha course. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, it was good. And I get quite a lot of good positive feedback from it. So I'll definitely look to do it again. Some train stations much quieter than others, yeah. So it might get dropped, um, but we'll see how it goes. Did you steal the idea from Lord Adonis? Uh, 
Lord no, Adonis. He's the amazing Lord Adonis. He's, yes. he's great. He's everything that's wrong with this country's democracy because he'd be like a great mayor of London, but he can't get elected because he's a bit wonky. And, right. Um, I did not steal great. the idea from. But he from rode him. the rails when he was transport minister. He spent uh-huh. his summer riding the rails. Why wouldn't you do that? It's obvious, isn't it? it yes. Seems very yes. similar sort of idea. It's like the people won't come to you. Go you to the people. Go, to the go people. and learn stuff. So yes, but no, I didn't steal it from him. Fifteen stations in your constituency, though. This is what I struck me about it. You did like two a day. Yes. Come on, you could get around all fifteen in a day. You could walk around all no, fifteen the point in your is, constituency. The point is in a to day. get them in the morning, though. That's the point. It's to get the morning commuter. So you yeah, can do all I still reckon you could. Wow. Well, um, of course, I could get around them all in a day. But yeah. Quite, you know, half past two in the afternoon. There's not that many Seems people passing through Cathcart Station. Half past eight in the morning. Okay. Is Fair enough. Makes sense. There's so me thinking, thinking about lazy MPs, and I was wrong because MPs you were lazy. Um, that's lazy journalism. That is. That is. Oh, yeah, well, don't start that. <laughs> don't start that. All right. Um, ooh, yeah, all right. Let's come back to lazy journalism in a minute. I, I could go for a really smooth link, but two things I want to raise there. I've uh, just found the, the station surgeries. One, when I used to do box pops for the local paper, yes. they always said, don't do them at a bus stop because the bus will come and take everybody away. Yeah. So, was that not a problem? And that people would be talking to you and they go, oh, there's my trade, and then you'd like um, lose them. No, because um, so what you do is you try and time it. Yeah. If you know, if you were an MP, you were going to do it. I would try and time it so that you're going to be there roughly when trains are passing through. So if you know, if you know there's yeah. an eight fifteen train, yeah. there's no point getting there at twenty past eight. No. So you probably want to get there from about eight. Yeah. And okay. That, that, because it's actually amazing how tight people clearly leave yeah, it to yeah. catch their train because you get the eight fifteen and you'd maybe get to ten eleven minutes past. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Absolutely. This burst of people would appear from all corners, uh, so people leave a really tight. To get their Did trains. anybody turn up earlier because they knew you were going to be there? People weren't turning up. Actually, that's not true. One did one they? person did. People weren't turning up to see me. It was Come mostly, on, it was that must have been amazing. People, mostly people who go use the train stations anyway. Yeah. Um, there was one person came to talk to me about the she and her husband do some uh, voluntary work for refugees in Cali. All right. Um, yeah. Who the Home Secretary acknowledged uh, them and thanked them for their oh, okay. for their uh, charitable work that they're still doing. So she was the only person to come out the house to see me who wasn't getting a tree. I see. With all those adult men in, with in Cali else. who are not actually children. All those ones. Uh, did you see that? Oh, I mean, man. Awful. <laughs> David T.C. Davis. What a man. Yes, yeah, a clown. Uh, he's brilliant. But you know, he's, he's not anti-gay because he fought one once. That was his argument. What does that mean? He was anti-gay marriage. Oh, and right. went Because he said, you know, it's a terrible thing. And then he went, I'm not anti-gay. I fought one because he's a wrestler and he wrestled a man called the Pink Pounder. Oh. Who was a gay wrestler. Oh. And because he'd wrestled a gay man, he, somehow this is evidence that he's not anti-gay. Never mind, you he got up in the chamber and said, this is disgraceful and disgusting. There's uh, no other <laughs> workplace in the world where you would hear this kind of stuff. I'm assuming... He's not anti-immigrant because he's fought one of them once or something. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> a total legend. Um, in a very bad way. Um, did you get longer to talk to? Oh, I'm going into slightly dodgy territory here. Because I don't really know what I'm talking about. Because it's in Scotland. You but, should be an MP. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you get to talk to lots of people at the station? Because their trains were late because ScotRail is so rubbish. No. Because of the SNP government. No, the, 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 the Cathcart Circle Line, which is the main train yes. line, is... Honestly, one of the best train lines oh, anywhere in the world. Oh, Scott Rail trains it, are rubbish, apparently. It runs superbly. There is perhaps a wee issue with people not being able to get a seat by the time it gets to, say, Pollock Shields West Station, oh. having come through everywhere else first. But um, in terms of delays, the circle doesn't really get I mean, many right. delays. I know you you're, you're, might not 
be the best person to ask this. I'm not entirely across this Scott Rail business, uh, not having to use the trains there. Mm. But is it that bad? I mean, are people no, complaining I, about I, Scott Rail? I get. I mean, I get when people are frustrated when trains are late or if you can't buy a oh, ticket yeah. to get on the train before they get on the train, which means they've then got to queue at Glasgow Central to get a ticket. I get. I get all of these things, but you know, when people say oh, it's absolutely appalling. It's absolutely terrible. Go back to when it was British Rail. I think people forget what it used to be like, how bad it used to be, uh, and lots of the changes that have happened have made it a more modern uh, rail network, have made it more user-friendly. The the trains, by and large, run on time. Certainly in my patch, I don't know, it's like in other yeah. bits of the country. Um, so I get people are frustrated with things, I really do, because they contact me when they're frustrated, yeah. and I'll contact Scott Rail on their behalf. But by and large, I think it's a pretty good service. Um, should those people complain about it just come to London and see how rubbish our trains are? Uh, they they could do. Is that you know? Is there a comparison there? They could do. I mean, I, I think the the, the London uh, tube service is magnificent. True, but the, the, um, train, the train service, Southwest train. trains in particular, uh, have got a lot of problems. Yeah, but which we is, just don't have. Uh, yeah. You know? So uh, I think uh, you're right. Perhaps it's not just Southwest trains. There's like a competition no. in South London. Like yeah, South no. West trains, people go, our right. trains are awful. Yeah. And Southern trains go, no, ours are worse. Southern rail, and South yeah. Eastern go, no, ours are even yeah. worse. Well, um, every single week at Business Questions, that is coming up. Yeah, yeah. Southern, These rail services Southern are coming yeah. up. Um, have they got Oyster cards in Glasgow? Uh, it's not called an Oyster card, no, but it's a thing. Yeah, it's a smart simple, ticketing, they smart ticketing which oh, you, can, okay. you can do and upload well, it said about people buying tickets. I think, yeah. buying but tickets. I mean, that's going to become redundant because... Of course, everybody's using contactless well, that's true, bank yes. cards and stuff yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, or using their mobile phone. Yes, this is true. Um, right, you mentioned lazy journalists. Uh, well, I don't know how to do this in a, in a smooth way, because the man who accuses journalists of being lazy is John Nicholson, um, ex-journalist John Nicholson. Um, he has a bill on Friday that I want to talk about. How do I get there without going through lazy journalists? We probably do you think journalists are lazy? Shall I just clarify uh, what he yeah go what on he then. meant? He was not you know because it was. We've got to talk about the dark side of John Nicholson. We've got to talk about the light side. It was quite an odd thing. I mean, John's a very good friend of mine. It's quite an odd thing to see all these journalists saying, "I came in here at half past six this morning. And I had twenty minutes for my lunch, and I won't leave until half past ten tonight." That was not what he was talking about. What he was talking about was essentially a lazy political analysis of things. Yes. Which, you know, I have helped your lazy analysis this well, morning, for example. Yes. On the, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. On the left and right of the party. I'm not, I'm not willing to admit I'm wrong on that one. I, mean, um, I might be, but I'm not quite there yet. Well, we'll, we'll, but I'll admit we'll I was wrong about so, the deputy leadership. So that's, that's the... That's the um, that's the reasoning behind what he said. I mean, lazy analysis is one of my favourite phrases to use when you're trying to uh, to put somebody down for some minutes of have spoken. Um, so, do I think journalists are physically lazy? No, they work incredibly long hours and do a great job. But do I think some of them have got a lazy analysis? Yes, absolutely. No Anyone question. in particular? Uh, well, there's obviously yourself. Well, all right. Um, Point taken. Uh, you're obviously not as bad as David Torrance, well, in your view, anyway. Well, um, you brought him up. I didn't yeah. even mention no, it. I, I, no, I, I mean, I, I like David Torrance's uh, analysis. I don't agree with it um, very, most of the time. It's very highfalutin, isn't it? Uh, I don't agree with it most of the time. But it's one of these things where you've got to... You know, the, the papers I always read are The Telegraph... Uh, well, don't either. tell me you're not on the right wing if that. But the reason, you know, the reason for that is I don't always want to just read my own opinions reflected back at me. I can, you know, I can make myself feel good by reading the Guardian or the National even. Yeah, every you're in trouble day. now. You should have said the National first. You're going to get. But no, I, te- I actually tend not to read the National. Well, because um, it's rubbish. 
it's just not my kind of paper. It's barely um, a paper at all. It's appalling. It's no. It's 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 the kind of paper I like is a paper that is going to inform my views. The National just reflects lots of my views back to me, but, and that's uh, nice right. and well, good. Yeah. Um, and perhaps good if you've got a hangover or something, and you don't want your views challenged. But I like to read things that are going to challenge my views, and you know that's why writers like David Torrance, like Alex Massey, uh, who've who've got an analysis, a good analysis that I don't always agree with. That's why they should. Uh, we should welcome their contribution. Um, do you lazy journalists that then say, "Oh, I work really hard. I'm up doing all these hours." Are you not inclined to think, "Well, you're an idiot. You should get a better union or something, and then you wouldn't have to work all those long hours." I think it's a badge of pride that you work from seven that's, in the morning till ten at night. That's a point that uh, you should make to your colleagues. Well, ooh, yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the light side of John Nicholson, the good side of John Nicholson, because he's got a good bill. He, he does. was what number was he in the draw? He was number pretty, one. He was number one. And he has got a private member's bill this week Yep. on uh, pardons for gay men uh, convicted before homosexuality was decriminalised. That's correct. In, what was it, 1960-something. Yep. And this is sort of being dubbed the Turing That's right. bill because Alan Turing... Alan Turing has been pardoned, though, hasn't he, actually? Um, I think. I, I'm not sure if it, he's actually been pardoned yet. I know an apology was yeah. uh, given, but I'm not sure about okay, the actual well, pardon for him as an individual. Like this, him. Yeah, this is, for, this is for a wider audience. Bit of history for you. This is the first ever SNP private members bill, ever. No. Yep, How can one. that be? First I mean, one. I know there's only like six before and stuff. It's the first one ever. Because um, you all somehow managed to miss the ballot the first time. I don't know what happened there. There was some sort of weirdness I in, went on. I don't know. I was in last time, but was completely unsuccessful. Uh, yeah, there was very few in us. As this sort time. Of, oh, to be fair, you'd only just got here and then yes. you know, it, was a, it was a mad system. But, it's a bizarre system. It's essentially um, a raffle. Um, and I suppose before that, the five or the six or whatever would be busy doing their actual job, their briefs. But also you've ju- but also you've got, uh, you know, well, it's, not, it's obviously not a one in 650 chance of coming first. That's true. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an enormous pool of yes. people. Yeah. Um, but this is the first ever SNP private members bill, and it's uh, it's to pardon gay men uh, who were charged with crimes, convicted of crimes which are no longer crimes, yeah, um, such as homosexuality. Um, so, at the minute, these yeah. guys can apply to get their record cleared, but the uptake is very very low because they just don't want to go through the shame no. of having to admit sure. it. Sure, what this would do would just pardon them. And is it so? It's not just sort of. I suppose I haven't really thought about the, the, the technical bit, uh, side of it. I suppose because uh, the crime was not homosexuality in a way. Was so it? Say it for would example, be the other, the other soliciting th- and things like that. Well, the other thing stuff, would be it? if I was, you know, uh, twenty-two and my boyfriend was twenty. Yeah. Uh, you know, so things like that. Yeah. For example. Okay. So um, like because the age of, of consent yeah, has yeah, changed yeah. over okay. the years. Uh, so that that's what this is about, and I think it's a really good positive thing because I think you know we've 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 got all these great strides, you know, same-sex marriage, equal adoption rights, and all the rest of it, equalisation of the age of consent, and this is uh you know gay rights are kind of popular now, yes, in yeah, politics, yeah. and yeah. this is something to give back to these guys who were, you know, living through a time where it was not popular. Um, illegal even. Yeah. Um, so this is quite a good thing to give back to them. So given that, it should pass with ease. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I would hope so. What the thing? The thing that we don't want to happen is it gets talked out. Yeah. Uh, so we need at least a hundred MPs to be here on Friday for the closure motion. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we expect some people will try to talk it out by starting talking about you know wood license Liberia and things yes. like that. Um, but we shall see how it goes. Well, I would hope it does pass. Yeah. There's certainly lots of support for it across the entire. Uh, chamber and no John's got support from the former Justice Secretary Michael Gove, Keir Starmer, yeah, and the Labour Party. Um, obviously, lots of support amongst his own colleagues as well. And the interesting thing is, it will only apply in England and Wales. Oh, 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 oh. But it's a private members' bill, so it's not subject to English votes for English laws. Oh man, this is going to get complicated. So that gives the excuse to various. Uh, headbangers to get up and say try and talk it out not on the basis that they're against it even though they secretly are but to say it's a SNP introducing an England bill so that's not fair SNP the SNP uh, as the progressive force in English politics I quite like the same I see that's going to be a fascinating little piece of uh, so parliamentary look out, nonsense look out it? for that on Friday but on that basis I mean John Nicholson obviously uh, annoys lots of journalists uh, it has turned out but he is a good guy to have that bill in that respect because he is a um, social butterfly, shall we say. And he's very good at networking around here. Oh, enormously. Across uh, parties. He I mean, get, I know... He I, can get the hundred together. I know you say he's annoyed a lot of journalists. It's not difficult to annoy journalists, particularly <laughs> Scottish journalists, I have to say. You're a prickly bunch. Um, but he obviously was a journalist himself, as you say. Yeah. Um, and whenever I mention a famous person, I always wait for the inevitable. Oh, I've had oh. dinner with that person because he usually has had dinner with everyone. So yes, he is a bit of a social butterfly. Yeah. but that's what you need to because the, the trick to getting backbench bills through is building cross-party alliances. Absolutely, it's a, um, absolutely. It's a it's a real skill. Um, so yeah, but then he's going to have some issues there. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one. It will be. Um, what's your your feel? Will it get through? Um, I think there's certainly enough support for it. Mm. Um, to, as I say, we think the opposition is, um, or the concern rather, is not about it being voted down. It's mm. actually about it getting talked out. Yeah, uh, is the concern. But if we can get a hundred MPs there for the closure motion on Friday, uh, that allows it to go ahead to the next stage. Yes, that stops it getting talked out because they can yep. tell them to get to, as it were. Uh, oh, well, that would be interesting. There, because if you remember, last year was assisted dying. Yes. And that was just voted on and it lost quite comprehensively. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's um, jiggery pokery. There's the, um, who is it, the procedure committee that have been moaning about backbench bills this week, haven't they? Complaining that they're daft and I think the, and there's the, a better the, way of doing things, which is undoubtedly true. Yes. I mean, this is very, very much kind of in house stuff, but I think. Um, having them on Fridays is also not ideal because it disproportionately affects MPs who are sure. further away from London. Yeah. Uh, like the Scots. Or indeed, it, it benefits MPs who like making really boring, long-winded speeches against indeed. perfectly and there good is measures no and are willing to sell out their no constituents to do that. Of people like that in this place. <laughs> shall I do a surgery and meet my constituents? Or shall I go and spend an hour talking about something just to destroy exactly something nice um, okay uh, listen we've got on long enough um, if you want to get in touch about anything in this podcast uh, sounded a bit like if you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast um, if you have been affected by any of the issues in the podcast <laughs> I don't know don't talk to me um, if you want to talk about anything uh, I am politicalyeti at gmail.com or at Political Yeti on Twitter. If you want to sponsor this podcast, still, what are we, week seven? And strangely, nobody's put up any cash yet. Um, it is recorded using a Blue Yeti microphone, which, come on, 
Mr. Blue Yeti. This is a perfect sponsorship gift. Um, and uh, in the meantime, yes, get in touch if you wish to. Otherwise, uh, I will say thank you to my guest, uh, Stuart Malcolm McDonald. And uh, join me again next week. Uh, I've got a guest and uh, a journalist lined up for next week already, which should be interesting. Uh, so join me next week for another of Political Yeti's politics podcasts. Thank you.